right, we are Tim and Michelle Hill with Connect Over Coffee, and this is Midlife Realigned. A series of conversations about navigating all the things midlife and living life with no regrets. And today we have a special guest with us to talk about midlife and stress. Susie Vine is a stress resolution coach and holistic health practitioner and the host of the Happified podcast. She is all about helping high achievers enjoy life with less stress and more flow, which sounds really good to me. It sounds good to me too. I've known Susie for about a year when she was getting ready to launch her Happified podcast. And I've listened to her on that podcast. I've heard her in Clubhouse and a lot of different platforms. So I'm really excited she's here to educate us and help us learn some things about stress today. Welcome to the show, Susie. We are so glad to have you join us today. Thank you. The first question I want to ask is, why is your work with stress so important to you? Yes. I mean, everybody knows stress, right? I really see it as a common denominator. We all have it in our lives. And this might kind of incorporate some of the other questions we were going to dig into. So we'll just see how much this circles back around. In my most previous work, before I made this shift in focus five years ago, I was working with senior clients. They were in their 80s and 90s. And the company I was with was helping them downsize from their homes into smaller homes or retirement communities. And it was always coming from, almost always, coming from a health issue that had led them to lose their independence. And that recognition, after years of sitting on the floor, packing up the china and the crystal, listening to their amazing stories, and really holding their hand through that difficult process because they really felt like they were losing their independence, I selfishly started to recognize that we, Stubborn Generation X members, are not going to be happy with that if that's what is going to be served up for us. So we need to make changes now so that we don't end up all sharing that same story. So true. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's easy to say that stress leads to a lot of different kinds of disease, but what's really fascinating is the science is catching up on that now. And we're seeing so much more clearly exactly how it's all connected. Well, let's actually dive into that. So if we leave stress unchecked, what exactly is going to happen when we age? Like, what are we facing? Sure. Commonly, a lot of us are aware that stress can lead to heart disease, right? A lot of us, you know, if we hear of somebody having a heart attack when they're working that really demanding um, career and pushing through for those goals, that's common in our perception. But it also is directly related. It lays the foundation for diabetes. We're really recognizing that that's a lifestyle illness, type two diabetes, not type one, which is different, but it comes from that, that stress response, the cortisol, which is the stress hormone that comes when we get in that triggered fight or flight stress response, it causes our body to spike the blood sugar so that we have the energy to respond. And when we are under constant stress, like the email notifications are always going off, the schedule is nonstop, you know, everything that comes in all the time, we don't perceive that any differently from the very rare occasion of high stress in our primitive biological beginnings, right? So so we're getting that surge all the time. And then we develop insulin resistance, which leads to diabetes. It's also seen in a lot of different types of cancer as well. The insulin resistance, because those words were spoken to me about a year and a half ago when I never thought that would be an an issue for me. Do we have any hope of avoiding it? I mean, this is a stressful world that we live in. And I know I took your question. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> She's closer to the microphone. <laughs> 
That's yes, true. there is hope. There is hope because we can change the way that we perceive stress. So there's a couple of different ways we can come about this as a holistic health practitioner, a big, big fan of a holistic approach. And so um, the three X less stress um, part of my coaching program is looking at the three aspects of stress, physical, emotional, and environmental, where we don't have to be carrying everything that we are. So we can delete some of those sneaky stressors that just become a habit or we've kind of let add up because we think it's not taking too much of a toll. So when we reduce those, we have more capacity to handle stress when it comes up. We can also have a more empowered perspective on how we can approach stress. People either see stress as debilitating, overwhelming, a threat, and that physical perception, right? You can feel that energy of it. Or some people naturally, and all of us can learn to recognize that it can be enhancing, that it can put us in that position where we're growing, we're learning from our mistakes, it drives us to reach our goals. If we don't then go too far and become adrenaline junkies and just love to live in that zone of, you know, answering all these demands and thriving on those deadlines, right? Pushing ourselves to the brink. But the third aspect that's really important is giving ourselves time to recover because our body is designed to respond to stress and then recover and be ready for it again. So if we find ways to pause, which is why meditation is so powerful and give our body a chance to come into that parasympathetic stress response, rest and digest, then we are able to meet the stress as it shows up. And that name rest and digest points at another issue that stress can really cause a lot of people. I don't think recognize the connection when we're under stress, our body's got a lot of other things that feels like it has to do. So it stops our digestive process. So, so many people have digestive issues, aren't getting the nutrition, even if they're eating great food because we're in that stressed state. So that's another realization that could be helpful for people to give ourselves permission to carve out a little more time for recovery. So other than meditation, what other kinds of recovery activities can we do? Most health practitioners will go to three foundations of health, right? Having quality food, as long as you're coming into that balanced state so that you can digest it, having good amounts of sleep, which also can be a little tricky when we're stressed and we have that busy mind. Sometimes that interrupts our sleep, but it's important to be supporting these as best as we can, right? And bringing them all up together. So making sure we have clean quality food, doing our best to have a regular sleep schedule and routine and exercise. Exercise is huge. It actually helps to metabolize those hormones of stress so that they're not still circulating in our system. It helps to raise our mood. It's been proven to help relieve depression and anxiety. It's a really powerful way to counteract that. So, you know, also in addition to having trouble sleeping, most people say, well, I don't have any more time. How can I add exercise back in? But the benefits are so powerful that that's, you know, it's really worthwhile. Even a 10 minute walk every day can make a huge shift. And then that's a starting point that we can start to build from. I think people get really irritated because every time they ask us questions like that and we say eat, sleep and exercise, <laughs> like those three things, like how many times do we have to hear it before it sinks in? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not rocket science. 
I know, right? Something easier. Yeah. <laughs> Try to keep it simple, but people don't want, they want simple, but then they think when it is simple, it's too simple. It's got to be more. Yeah. And There's a difference between simple and easy, right? Yeah, It's true. not always easy. Um, exactly. I think another thing too that we're talking about is awareness. And I think our culture is really detrimental to that is right now, everybody's like, work hard, hustle, hustle, grind, grind. You got to be working all the time. Never stop. You need to work and you need to work hard, but you, like you said, you need to realize the balances of meditation, eating right, and sleeping to to counteract the other side of that. Because cortisol is a, a good hormone. It has a purpose, but when we have it all the time, we're j- it's just overloaded and it messes up all the other systems. Is, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. And it has become like a badge of honor, right? It has been for a really long time. It's interesting to me that it still is to the point, you know, that being stressed out, working ourselves at maximum capacity, even multitasking, even though it's been completely debunked and we know we get less done if we think we're, you know, doing all the things all the time. Um, and one other thing that I, I didn't mention before, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to, to really support is the power of breathing, because again, it's, it's super simple, but it's easy to lose track of. And I learned recently, and it doesn't surprise me when I think of how I operate and I, I definitely need everything that I'm handing out to right? I'm not living this like totally Zen life over here on this side of the monitor. We tend to stop breathing when we read emails. Did you guys, have you ever heard that? No, no, not at all. So when we're reading on our computers, we tend to suppress our breath. And I I don't know if it's because we're expecting some stress to come up in the inbox or just that (laughs) focus on reading. We just aren't paying attention. We start to shift out of that balance. So paying attention to our breath and getting in that practice of doing some good deep belly breaths now and then. So we engage our diaphragm is really, really important. That's so interesting. One of the things that is part of our morning practice that we have in our morning moments matter box is taking a series of deep breaths. And we kept talking about it, that it's part of that practice. It was funny because when Tim would start talking about it, he would completely ignore that. Like, I just think culturally, we don't believe that breathing is important. But when you look at the research, it's amazing what just a series of consistent deep breaths will do for you. Exactly. It's easy just to skip that part. Oh, take, <laughs> take, take three breaths. Okay, I'll skip that part and go right to the next thing. But breathing is important. Even if, how long does it take to take three deep breaths? You know, 15 seconds total, if they're five seconds each, whatever. But we skip that because we think, oh, breathing. I'll do that all the time. You know, it's part, I'll do that without thinking. <laughs> but really the deep belly breaths is really important. Yes, super important. So I want to circle back to something you said right when you started, and it had to do with, you said there were three things, and one was a perception of our of our stress that we can shift the perception of it. And I thought that was interesting because usually when people are like, yeah, yeah, I've got all this stress, I can't really do anything about it. Like there's these things out here that I can't really do anything about it, so it's hopeless. That sort of leads me to believe that maybe there is something that changing our perception of it, of what we have going on, may give us a little more agency to do something about it, even if our circumstances won't allow us to get rid of certain stressors. Yes, absolutely. And I really had a light bulb moment when I learned about a study that they did. They've done a lot of research into the field of positive psychology at Harvard. Sean Aker, who has a terrific TED talk and has written several books, led a lot of this work. And what they did is they looked at some college students at Harvard and they had them watch videos 
describing the same physical symptoms of stress. And in one video, those symptoms were framed as harmful physically. You know, you've got that constriction in your blood vessels and this can lead to heart disease and, you know, your breath changes and it's harder to breathe and all of this is happening. Stress is bad. And in the other video, they say, well, your circulation shifts, but that's because if you needed to respond, your major muscles now have more circulation. So your digestion changes, but that also is feeding those muscles and your perception narrows, but that means you're so dialed in, you notice everything that's happening in the situation. And when the students had that different framing of the same symptoms, they had a completely different physical response than when they were put in a stressful situation, like, okay, now you're going to go present to the class. <laughs> they, um, it was more of a physical response of joy and excitement rather than that typical, what we're used to seeing that cardiac response of the constriction of the blood vessels, which over time then is what leads to cardiovascular disease. So that was a real light bulb moment for me. And I think another important thing for us to look at is what is within our control and what is beyond our control? Because we put a lot of energy into things that are beyond our control, that comes up on the news, that's going on with other people. And when we start to change our attention to what is within our control and start to take action in that, we feel more empowered to have an effect in our environment and in our lives. And that I think then leads to having that more empowered approach to stress. Like, oh, I can choose how I'm going to respond to that meeting or respond to my boss when they come up with this demand or, or that sort of a thing, right? I think that's so important because that was the other thing I wanted to circle back that you mentioned, because I know in my life that when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed and stressed, one of the easiest ways for me to get a step towards being not stressed is to clean up my desk or do something that's been kind of un that underneath bothering you for weeks that you've been putting off or something, just taking that, like those things that we can control that are in our environment, whether it's cleaning the kitchen or finally doing this project that's been sitting on my desk or finishing something I've committed to and can't seem to get done. Like those, all those things add up. And if we can get the little ones out of our way, it leaves so much more room to handle the stuff that comes up that we really need to cope with. I think that kind of goes what she's saying is capacity. If we, if we're always on full bore and we're always up here, then we, we can't do what we need to do. And if you can eliminate those smaller things that you do have control, it gives you some bandwidth to do the other things. So way stressed out is not what we want. And it seems like zero stress is probably an unrealistic goal. Where's the happy medium? What should we be aiming for? Yes, I agree. And um, another thing to remember about, you know, that goal of zero stress, if we think that we're very, you know, black or white, aren't we? Like it has to be full <laughs> speed ahead or we have to be yes. like sitting in lotus position meditating, like finding that middle, like what's wrong with meeting in the middle? Yes. And, and so it takes that checking in, it takes that space through meditation, through mindful breathing, through finding these opportunities to start recognizing the signals that our body is sharing with us. Because when we're going full tilt and the messages are coming in all the time, they're drowning out the signals that our body is sharing, right? So we're not understanding that we're not digesting our food or we're not getting curious about why we're not sleeping. But if we have that space, which starts with like building these little habits, start with two minutes of meditation a day, build your way up to five and then 10, 
then we can start to recognize like, oh, I feel better when I do this, right? It goes back to that neuroplasticity too. When our mind recognizes we put importance on that calmer state or understanding the signals from our body or appreciating, you know, the things we're grateful for. The gratitudes practice is really powerful in the same respect. It trains our brain to appreciate the things that make us happy. And then those things stand out to us more. So not only do they raise our spirits, but it also helps us be receiving these messages much more clearly because it is, it's learning to see differently and accept a different pace of energy to find this balance between stressed and none. Sometimes those cycles, those that cycles that feed on themselves, they all seem to be bad, but here's a good one, right? When we do those things and our brain recognizes they're good, they won't want to do them more. And then it recognizes even more. And like, that, that's a, one of those good cycles. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wanted to go back to this and you just brought it up again, that whole idea of that we can be eating our food and not realizing that we're not digesting it. How do we know if that's happening? Well, and I've just been watching a really interesting series. There's so many summits and series to take in all the time. I rarely commit, but this mm, one was really great. Sure. And they were looking at how many different health issues come up from our digestion being interrupted. So um, if you've heard of leaky gut, right? If you have more food yep. sensitivities or types of food that don't sit well with you, that can be because of some damage around the lining of your gut. And then your body's making an inflammatory response because the food isn't fully digested. And so it leaches out through those gaps in the gut lining. And then the body says, you're not supposed to be here. And the fight commences. So if we're not digesting our food, then there could be more sensitivity to different foods. There could be um, constipation is really common in people with stress or the other end of the spectrum. So if you're just not very regular or consistent, if you don't have um, the energy that you would expect to be getting, if you're working on having a really clean quality diet, but you still feel really lethargic and fatigued, it's worth taking a look at, is my body really getting what it needs from nutrition? Um, thyroid issues too, stress can exacerbate those, but certainly digestive issues don't help, right? So if you have that kind of feeling of fatigue or you're wired, tired, kind of feeling caffeinated without the quality coffee, um, you know, you, it, it's worth getting curious. And a lot of times we're not recognizing these signals, right? This all goes back to that communication from our body. And I say all the time, our body starts by issuing requests. And when we don't hear them, it starts issuing demands. And that's when we really get sidelined with those major <laughs> health issues. If we were going to, aside from the whole kind of generic prescription of eat right, sleep better and exercise, is there something that's more related to actually taking stress out of our lives? Is there like one thing that you could say, this is where I would focus first? Mm, and actually addressing the things that stress us out. So one practice that I like to recommend, and it is a practice just like meditation and yoga, right? We're not geniuses at it right out of the box. And so in other like not super stressful situations, maybe you're driving and people are being clowns on the road around you, or you're watching the news and you're getting a little bit triggered. I like to encourage people to start practicing a pause and pivot. So when something comes up and you feel yourself responding to it, it starts to get you agitated or other emotions are coming up. Find even a split second to pause and get curious and ask yourself, 
Am I responding to this situation right now? Is it just what's happening in this second? Or is it something from earlier in the day that I haven't taken the time to deal with? Or does this trigger an older emotional response or story? Because when we don't acknowledge our emotions and help them resolve, just acknowledging them is like 80% of the battle and, and help them move along, then they're waiting to be triggered by other situations, right? So if we pause and get curious and have that, that question brings us out of that stress response because it brings us back to that prefrontal area of higher thinking and back to where we have more choice in what we want to call out. And so that's the pivot then as you have that opportunity to say, well, what would I like to do? I'm feeling this. What emotion would I like to call in? What outcome would I like to support happening? And so that pause and pivot helps to bring us out of that reactive stress state and give us so much more power in this present moment. So that's an exercise that I find really helpful. It's helped me. And, and again, you have to kind of warm up to it. So don't wait until you're having an argument with your partner or something like that, but <laughs> right. It's really hard to get perspective in that moment, <laughs> but it's I have a no great idea practice. what you're talking about. <laughs> no, there's no stress in my marriage. Never. No, 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 no. I like, I like that. I like the pause and pivot. It helps you reframe the whole word pivot. Yes. It? I've had a problem aside. I've had a problem with the word pivot since the pandemic because everybody uses it and it seems to be overused. So anytime I hear it, I just like tense up, but I've gotten so better. You need to pause and pivot every time you hear the word pivot. <laughs> That's true. Ooh, <laughs> we let me get another cup of coffee. We should Getting dive in. Meta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing is of all of the aspects, we need to be able to be aware and act instead of react. Because we're I think so much of what we talked about, whether it's not sleeping, uh, not eating right, and not dealing with the stress right, is like we're not aware of it. So we're not doing anything about it. And then once and reacting to it. So once we become aware of it, then we can take actions and then hopefully have a better outcome than just letting it all come and and dealing with it that way. So it's a little more of controlling and being aware. Yeah, I love that. Being proactive instead of reactive. Absolutely. So is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you're just like, you know, nobody ever asked me this, but I really wish I could talk about this. <laughs> We've covered some good Susie's stuff. silver bullet of magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, one other thing um, that's interesting to me and, and men and women, you know, we're, we're just a little bit different and women are accused of this tend and befriend pattern, right? That when we're in stress, we tend to reach out and surround ourselves with community. I don't think that's across the board, but I do think it's important to recognize the value of community and support when you're feeling stressed, because especially after this year, a lot of us have been even more isolated than before. And when we're feeling stressed, when we've got those lower, heavier emotions, we feel like, oh, I don't want to reach out. They don't want to talk to me right now, or I don't want to bring them down. And and that's exactly when we need that support and community. And, you know, if we kind of shift the perspective again and think of a friend who needed to be lifted up, we would want to know. We would want that opportunity to support them. And it goes both ways, right? If we call on someone and ask for a little support and then we have the opportunity to listen to them and support them, then we feel better. We start to shift that energy again. So one thing I think is really important as we, we reintegrate and re-emergence has 
been hard. I've been talking with some people who have anxiety now about going back out because we've been so sheltered for so long. Keep reaching out, keep looking for these opportunities to get connected, even if it is just on a screen. Make it a phone call and go out for a walk and be double effective. Um, and look for ways to, to bring your community closer rather than feeling like when stress gets you down, isolating is a good response. I love that. We so believe that community is so important. I mean, connect is in our very name of our company. And so, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that out. That's really, it's really good insight. I had that exact conversation with my son about a week ago, just the idea that when we have um, not, not, not even kind of regular stress, but depression or whatever, that we, that's when we need people most. And when we have the least energy and the least inclination to ask for help. And so, yeah. I love that. And to put things in place before you get into that place where that becomes a natural place to turn instead of having to do that when you're already in a a place of stress or depression or anxiety, because that's not the time to set those habits up. Absolutely. I love that point. That's (laughs) terrific. Yeah. The, what's the old adage, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So if you have those set up where you, you're going to call your friend or your sister or, or whoever once a week, or just, just to check in, then you can maybe head off some of that stuff before it builds up. And you may not even know that you're getting stressed, but when you talk to that person or in community or however you connect with them, it may tamp it down and you didn't even really know that it was rising up. Yeah. And what we did with my son was had this conversation of, okay, when I'm starting to feel depressed or anxious, here's the symptoms that I exhibit. Here's, here's what that looked like in my behavior. And so I can say, okay, when I see that, this is how I'm going to respond to you. And this is why. And so you don't have to ask me because I know what that looks like in your behavior and I can step in. And so that conversation was really good for us. And because I have the same thing, I described it to him perfectly because I have this kind of cyclical short-term depression. And when it happens, I know that I have certain behaviors and certain patterns of thinking. And if other people know that, they can Mm -hmm. step in without me needing to ask for help even. And so. Yeah, support takes a village. (laughs) It does. And how empowering is that? I mean, to have that awareness, to have this conversation, to have this framework already in place. I love it. I love it. That's terrific. (laughs) So what are you most excited about in your work right now? And if people want to follow up with you, where can they find you to learn more? Sure. Um, you can find me at happifiedlife.com, H-A-P-P-I-F-I-E-D life.com. That leads to all things. That's leads to my primary website. I've developed a membership starting this past January because to your point, the value of community is essential and we don't always find the support we need within our inner circle. So it's really a place where people can share these goals of being more empowered, stepping up to stress, of making these micro changes to upgrade our habits and lifestyle so that we can enjoy all the vitality that we want downline, all of these little pieces in place. So I'm really excited about the membership as it's growing and evolving because it's still in pretty early stages. But after a recent online retreat that I had, which you would think, oh, more Zoom time, but we were doing creative exercises and journaling and we had a nature walk and, and it's starting to inform kind of what I'm bringing into the membership. So I'm excited to see how that's evolving and growing over the year. That sounds really fun. 
Really cool. Well, we're so happy that you are able to step outside of all that fun and join us today for this conversation. It's been really, really good for us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm so excited about this new podcast venture that you guys are rolling out and all the great (laughs) conversations. So I'm excited to stay tuned and listen to everything coming down the line. So thanks so much. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Morning Moments Matter Box, which is a super simple way to take the time that you use to brew your morning coffee and turn it into a ritual that will start your day in a positive frame of mind. That's great coffee and a ritual that engages your body, mind, and heart. And you can check that out at connectovercoffee.link backslash MMM. So thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. We hope you heard something that you can use today to help you make the most of your life. If you did, send us some love by rating the show and giving us a review as well. Until next time, stay caffeinated, y'all. 